It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama. Anything's possible. days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we gotta make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell the mother guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jays, raining Jays. Millie's. Welcome back This is the Locked On Celtics Podcast and I want to say thanks to all of you who have been following us around As we bounce up and down the California coast And uh, following along as the Celtics Cruise through this road trip so far. Golden State, no problem. A little bit more of a problem with the Sacramento Kings. And now two L.A. teams that they have to face moving forward. And we're going to talk about this. We're the Reign of Jays. I am John Corrales. I'm a beat writer covering the Boston Celtics for MassLive.com. If you don't know me, hello, hi. Joined today by Jay King of The Athletic. Also a beat writer. If you don't know me, what the hell are you doing? That's right. <laughs> Jay's getting a little big time here. No, so. that's I was just kidding. <laughs> um, so if you're new, welcome aboard. want to thank all the new listeners. If you haven't uh, followed the show before, uh, hope you enjoy it. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at RedsArmy underscore John. Jay is at by Jay King. So this is the Friday show. We're going to get into looking a little bit forward, looking at how we feel now about the Celtics after these couple of wins. So let's just start. Jay, we've had a, a little bit of time to process, to sleep on that Kings win. Uh, obviously, the Celtics are not back. It's, it's too soon to say they're back because we've seen them have a, a couple of good stretches before. But I think the way they, they won that game last night, and we were talking about it in the last podcast with Sam, thought that was especially impressive. Sam called it a better win than the Golden State win. So what do you? I think? was actually just talking about that with Adam Himmelsbach how we both thought it was. Yeah. And obviously the, I mean, but everything went right in the Warriors game. And that was kind of the thing about the Kings game and kind of the thing that has held the Celtics back this season. When things go against them, whether it's they're on the road or they're on the second night of a back to back, like before last night, they were under 500 on the road. They were four and six on the second night of a back to back. And then they had a pretty bad defensive first quarter, gave up a ton of points, a lot of wide open three pointers. And then they just kind of dug in. And so I, I did think that was a a better win. I mean, obviously, win against the Warriors in Oracle is nice, especially when you thump sure. them more than any team has ever thumped them in the Steve Kerr era. Right, right. But but doing that against the Kings, and the Kings are tough to play on a back-to-back because they're so damn fast. Yeah, so it, it was a good. And they didn't particularly play well, except for Al, really, and Gordon, obviously, with the shot. But it's like... There were a lot of things they did wrong, a lot of turnovers, and they just kind of found ways. That's the big thing. And, and look, Sacramento playing at home, they had a, a long stretch of home games. I, th- I want to say that was their third or fourth game in a row at home. Comfortable, day off before. I mean, that was primed for a back-to-back 
kind of letdown game. And it started off like they first started uh, taking too many jump shots, and I thought, here we go. But the the digging in and the fighting was impressive. That was a game that I feel very comfortable saying the Celtics most likely lose uh, earlier in the season. So for them, to, or a week ago, or a week ago, <laughs> yes, to not so much earlier in the season. Yeah, that, this this road trip. It's interesting to hear Kyrie say the road trip really helped us. I mean that that plane plane ride helped us a lot, and to have Brad Stevens talking about the need to be human and have these conversations and, and maybe some things kind of got away from these guys that. And, and maybe part of why Kyrie was saying, you guys tear apart locker rooms, maybe he was maybe he was kind of letting us in on a little bit of what was happening in, in the, the Celtics locker room. Or maybe you're trying to tear apart the locker room now, John. I am ripping it to shreds. Uh, but, like, don't you think that this the, – the opportunity – like, if this was a road trip to, like – uh, we're going to go down to Philly, and then we're going to go to Charlotte, and then we're going to uh, Miami, Orlando, and then back home. Like, I don't know that they get the same kind of like bonding experience. I think this is, I think the that long plane ride actually had some value that they can sit there for six hours and and have to kind of interact with one another and kind of get some of this stuff out there. So uh, I'm not saying there's any one particular magic bullet, but that plus the desperation, plus a very advantageous situation uh, against Golden State, where Golden State was coming back off of their long road trip, starting to piece together a little bit more of uh, uh, camaraderie, a little bit more team kind of like happiness. Like last night, they looked genuinely happy for the first time in a long time. Well, they, I mean, they won at the buzzer. Were they supposed to be pissed? No, but Jay, look, you know what I'm I, saying. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. They, they, they they needed a mood reset, is how I'll put it. That, and were, that's fine. That's a great way to put it. They were bickering. They were cratering. And, and that was the issue. Like, teams lose. You go through an 82-game season, you're going to have skids where you're not playing well. The issue with them wasn't that just that they weren't playing well. It was that they weren't playing well, and then they were yelling at each other, and they were being all pissed off. And yeah. they weren't having fun. And it just seemed like almost a miserable team for a little while. And, and it, it hasn't been like that all season. It was just like a brief period where they seemed just miserable. And, and so I do think they needed a mood reset and maybe that's what the plane ride did. Good vibes now. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, but, but we laughed at the good vibes line from Brad Stevens and they're good vibes now. <laughs> good vibes, man. Good vibes. But Good vibes will come when you beat the Warriors by 30 and when you win at the buzzer. These Celtics need to prove, as Steven said, that they can keep those good vibes when things go wrong. And and I think the Kings game was a good sign because a lot of things did go wrong and they still persevered through those things. But they they still need, like, if they lose to the Lakers, if they lose to the Clippers, they need to keep these good vibes and keep playing together and do it through anything. And that's been that's been their issue. That's definitely been their issue. I've said multiple times in the podcast that they are th- this season terrible when things are going great because they they can't handle the good times. When when things are going great is when 
guys have gone off on their little selfish tangents and then eroded some of the stuff that was going but well. But they haven't handled it when things go poorly either. Right. Well, I, I, I think that's part of the cycle, Jay. I think that things go great, guys get selfish, then they go south, and people start bickering about why are you so selfish and why are you doing this, and that's why we have a little sniping back and forth. And then you know they, they kind of get away from that, and that's why I think it, it it's still – why don't we do this? We'll take a break, and we'll get into – the how these Celtics are going to move forward. What I'm going to continue my thought here after the break about these guys, uh, their attitudes, and and getting away from handling the good times poorly. We'll do that when we come back here on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Here we go! John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. So I think, Jay, the key here for the Celtics is to like this game is very dangerous when they face the Lakers. It's the Celtics have now had their big win against Golden State. They had their gritty win against Sacramento, and people are starting to like them again and say, you know, the, the stories are already kind of floating out there. Like, all right, they've played 60 games or so here. It's 60, where are we at? 64, 65, whatever it is. Maybe it just takes that long. Brad Stevens even said it. Some teams, maybe it just takes this many games for it to click. And maybe it has. And this is where I think it's super dangerous because once they think, okay, it's fixed. Well, it's okay if I go off and, and play a little selfishly because it's fixed. And I think the Lakers game is, is might be the most dangerous game of the season. They're going to get lucky that the Lakers are completely imploding. But still, I still think it's a dangerous game. 
Yeah, I think <laughs> every game's dangerous. Uh, <laughs> the, the way they've played sometimes. So to to me, it's it's funny because talking about the mood of a team seems so stupid. And like, I would much rather be talking about actual basketball things, like like the the switchy lineup they played against Sacramento, which the where all they had all big wings and Horford and monster point guards like that'd be cool to talk about or jason tatum how he how he played it or horford how he just mutilated switches but i actually think that in this case in this rare case the celtics mood is as important as anything and they need to sustain that mood and they need to stay happy and together and it's just been i've never felt a vibe like I felt around the team during the couple weeks when they were just cratering. It was, it was bizarre. It seemed like players were just like repelling each other away. It was just everywhere you looked, guys were just not happy. And that was on the court. Guys were bickering. It was just, just weird, weird team to be around. And everyone around them noticed it. The writers noticed it. I had a couple of scouts say some things to me about just how how strange and how how unhappy the Celtics seemed and it was just like this tangible feeling around the team and it has changed and maybe it's because they won maybe it's because Soul Plane was just a hell of a drug. <laughs> soul Plane. I love Soul Plane. But in this case, I actually feel like the spirit of the team is as important as anything else, which is bizarre to say 60 games into a season and certainly something I've never discussed before about a Celtics team. But in this weird, quirky season – it just seems like this team needs to be happy and stay happy. And I can't wait until they're actually happy for a little while so that we can just stop talking about vibes. Yeah, no, I agree, man. <laughs> and mood. But it actually matters, and I think it matters a whole lot that this team grows to like playing with each other. I don't even think it's I don't even think it's liking each other as people. Like I, I actually think they, they like each other as people. It's just they haven't liked playing with each other at all times this season. And that's what had to change. And that's what seemed to change. Like Kyrie during the Warriors game, he was like, when he took the charge and then he found Gordon Hayward for the three, that was as joyous as we've seen him all year. Mm -hmm. And granted, it was to put them up 30 in Oracle. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So it's a joyous moment, but still it's like, okay, that seemed like, like a moment. And then, the next day, Hayward hits the 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 fadeaway one-legged runner to to beat the clock with two seconds left, and everybody jogs off into the locker room and they're smiling like hell. There haven't been too many moments like that for this Celtics team. Like there haven't been those galvanizing moments, and it almost feels like 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 a walk-off hit in baseball. Sure. You know, and if if you string together a few walk-offs in a row or string together a few comebacks in a row, that can help change the atmosphere around a team. And they needed a change of atmosphere. 
they they really really needed a change of atmosphere. They totally have. And and I mean I, I wouldn't have predicted that they would win the first two games on this road trip, but those were two damn impressive wins. They were very much impressive. Like I, now I'm just gonna take a second to kind of toot our own horn, but for people who don't really listen to us regularly or whatever, like we don't just talk about the mood because the mood is something we like, we don't have anything else to talk about. We love talking about basketball. If there was like the, we talk about what's really happening with the Celtics and what's really happening with the Celtics is what you just said. Like, we're not just going to talk about it for the sake of talking about it because that's some BS. You and know, I wish we didn't point. have to talk about it because Me too. it's such a, subjective thing or like we don't know exactly what the mood is we're not around the team right now but we we, we only them. see them on the court but yeah they were they were fractured man jay they when, were, last night when we're leaving just to give people like a little bit of insight like i haven't seen something like this before and it doesn't happen at home because the the food spread's not at the, in the same thing or whatever but these guys are getting ready to go out on the team bus I'm trying to sit there and talk to Yabu about something, and Robert Williams and Kyrie Irving are standing there. Now, first of all, what a weird pairing. I talked about this the last night of the podcast, but a, a, a weird trio of Time Lord, Kyrie, and Yabu. And I stopped to talk to Yabu, and those guys are like, what is this? Let's go. And I, I, I asked three questions. In the middle of the third answer, Ty, uh, Robert Williams comes around the corner and is like, come on, are we ready? And it's just like it was fun. Like they were jostling each other. Like they were just having fun. And Kyrie wasn't even like mad at me as a member of the media, which he has been mad at the media recently. Like he just kind of like smiled and walked off. And like that was such a like jovial, like bubbly kind of locker room as these guys were getting out of there. So that is noticeable. It's palpable. And we can see you can see body language if you're any in any way observant. You can look at these guys and say, "Yeah, they, there's something going on here." Uh, so that's why that's why this is the biggest storyline for the Boston Celtics because we know they've got the talent. We know that they can do certain things. It would be awesome to have a conversation like maybe going into the playoffs or maybe beforehand if the Celtics can whip off a few wins in a row here. If they can manage to sweep this road trip, if they can go home and win that first game back and beat Sacramento on the first game back after a long road trip, when Sacramento is going to be especially motivated to get revenge, if they can win that game, then maybe we can start putting this this type of conversation behind us. But that's what they need to do first. They need to show that they can stay together because the mood is what helps them play better on the court. The mood, the togetherness, the enjoyment in playing with each other is what gets them to that moment where Marcus Morris is diving on the floor, getting that loose ball, calling timeout and keeping possession and having like Gordon Hayward trying to hoist them up. Like the, all of those moments are connected. And the, the funniest moment to me was when Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown totally botched a switch. Yeah. And Marcus Smart started yelling at Jalen Brown, and then you could see him like, oh, no, I'm not supposed to yell anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he walked over and slapped him five. <laughs> it, yeah. it, was, it was almost like he remembered like, oh, yeah, we're supposed to like each other now. That's <laughs> true. That's true. <laughs> and, and, he, and he went over and slapped him five. And they they went and got a bucket on the next play. Yeah, or, that was, or Tatum drew free throws, I think, on the next it, play. He did, he did. Um, 
And I wonder if Marcus, like I was talking to some of the guys about that earlier, and Marcus Smart was also a little bit frantic on that play. So there there was some confusion, and I'm sure Marcus Smart had to own up to some uh, responsibility for a little bit of the confusion there. But that is exactly it, though. They got past that moment. Like that's, and and I asked Brad Stevens about that directly, and he said, "Yeah, we got past that great because you know we we put it behind us. Next play, we get two points. So important. Now, are they connected enough?" to make this kind of run so we can stop talking about this crap and start trying to figure out what do the Celtics do if they happen to meet Indiana in the first round? What happens if, you know, talk about the seeding, talk about potential playoff matches. Can they, you know, blah, 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 all that crap. So they face the Lakers next. They have Thursday off, Friday off, and they play the Lakers at 5.30 local time. Nice early start. National TV, the Lakers are on a downswing. They're imploding. The Celtics should come out after a couple of days off. And if they're really connected, I feel like they can come out and just put a run on the Lakers. I think that, to me, might be the next sign. Can they come out in a game like this they're supposed to win, that they're supposed to be a struggling team, and do what they're supposed to do and not take any shortcuts. That's that's the type of game, and when I say it was dangerous, when I said it was dangerous earlier, that's the type of game where I feel like they can go out there and think, yeah, we can screw around and still win this game by, like, 15. Like, can they go out there in the first quarter and hang, like, 32 to 18 or something like that in the first quarter and just assert themselves right away because – the time off, the rest, everything, the good vibes, it all should add up to a big first quarter for the Celtics. Vibes. Vibes. <laughs> vibes, indeed. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to come back and wrap up the Lockdown Celtics podcast on this Friday. Stick around. Yesterday after the game, Sam and I were talking about Al Horford, uh, but he's worth continued discussion because he is the guy, I think, when we talk about, I call him Mr. Stability, I, I think he's the guy that when everything else, there's a storm around the team, if everything's going to shit, everybody needs to pause for a second, find Al Horford, and then... Just let Al Horford do his thing. And sometimes that's in the post. Sometimes it's a pick and pop for three. Sometimes it's a pass when teams, maybe if a team is switching and you, they, they uh, Al Horford gets a bad matchup and they throw a double. If anybody throws a double at Al Horford, you're screwed. The, any, the second somebody goes to double Al Horford, it's it should be a cut and boom, it's a layup. Like it's super easy. Al Horford... Now, at the last, this last stretch of the season, becomes maybe the most important player for the Boston Celtics. If they're going to keep this going, they need a guy like Al who can just calm things down, make the right play, and now make the right play with a little bit more effort. He's healthy. He's fresh. He's been saving himself a little bit. 
this is his time. Marcus Morris said it. This is the time that they're going to start going to him. Marcus Morris also called him the big dog. The big dog. Which which I thought was fantastic. Yeah, to, to me, it, it's funny because depth is always what's been looked at as the Celtics' greatest strength. And we we harped on it in the summer. We harped on it for large portion of the season, even when their depth hasn't played well. You know, that should be what separates it. Even Brad said, Brad Stevens said it the other day. You know, Kyrie does a lot of things that nobody can do, but our depth, he said, is what's going to separate us. And to me, it might not be the depth that separates them, especially come playoff time. It's going to be that Kyrie cannot be stopped by normal defenses, and the Kyrie-Al Horford two-man game is going to be killer. And Al Horford just has a way of beating so many different types of defenses. If you sag, he'll hit a three. If you switch a smaller guy on him, he'll pulverize you or force a double, and he'll find an open guy. And the matchups throughout the Eastern Conference, we've said this so many times, He's going to be tough for Brooke Lopez. He's going to be tough for Joel Embiid, as he always has been. He is going to be tough for Serge Ibaka and Marc Gasol. And he's going to be so important. And it's going to be so important that, that they recognize where the mismatch is. You know, we saw it against Golden State, where a couple times Kyrie got the mismatch with, with Boogie switched on him. And and try to find Horford. Well, if you got Boogie on you, Kyrie, you should probably go. <laughs> but but, but I, I do like that they're they're starting to. It seems like they're starting to focus more on getting Al post ups, especially when he gets switches, because if you send a double, like you said, he'll kill you. And and they've done a great job of cutting. When they're good, they're they're a great cutting team. Absolutely. And Jalen, Jalen will cut to the hoop. Tatum will cut to the hoop. Gordon will cut to the hoop. Like they have guys, especially when Al Horford posts up. It's funny. I talk about this with Jokic all the time. When Jokic has the ball on the elbows, it's like guys just know like to cut their ass off. Even even if even if they're not normally a cutter, it's like they know just run straight to the hoop, and he might find some crazy angle to find you for a layup. And the Celtics are kind of the same way without Horford. Even guys who will sometimes get stagnant are like, oh, yeah. Exactly. It, it's bucket time. <laughs> and, I mean, it's easy money, baby. That's easy money. If I'm on the court and Al Horford's got the ball on the post or up top at the elbow, man, that's like, give me my points. He, you know he wants to pass you the ball. Yeah, and I, I assume it's it's been a real relief for the Celtics organization to see Al Horford once he got healthy, just be a boss. Yeah, and he's he's been a boss pretty repeatedly for a long time. Now, ever ever since the knee got healthy, he's just been mutilating fools, and and that that's so important to them. I I honestly don't think it's going to be their depth that matters. I, I think obviously you know bringing Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward off the bench can be a really important thing if both those guys are playing well and Terry Rozier too, if he's playing well. But to me, it's like the top of the roster 
Kyrie and Al Horford, they're going to be the differentiators. And they're, they're going to be the guys who they run so much through come playoff time. And, you know, I'm sure Tatum will get his good matchups and Jalen Brown will have some good matchups and they'll need to take advantage of those too. But there is no good matchup in the East for Horford or for Kyrie Irving. So Mm -hmm. they, they're, they're so important. Those two guys, a two man game crucial. (laughs) And the depth does not apply to the center position in Boston. It just doesn't because Aaron Baines is good and important and they need Aaron Baines to win a lot of these games. But there are also some games where Aaron Baines is just not favorable matchup wise. That was obvious against Sacramento. It happens against Golden State. Luckily for them, the East doesn't have that level of of big man and they don't have those types of teams that that are constructed that way. But it's still he's still not I guess he doesn't have the advantage in a lot of matchups. Uh, yeah, I, I was wondering actually during that Kings game, and the Kings are a brutal matchup for Baines because they're just so damn fast. Yeah, and and they play with such pace that it, it's tough for a legitimate center to keep up a guy that's not Al Horford basically. But when he did struggle, and they brought in Tice, Tice hasn't been as good as he was last year, and I, I think that could be. Not like obviously the biggest factor in a playoff run, but that could matter. It could, and that's because my point. Tice is the other guy besides Horford who can come in and switch and and give you all that. And if if he doesn't, if he can't do that, then the options are kind of limited. Right. So I mean, come playoff time, we're looking at thirty eight minutes, thirty six, thirty eight minutes for Al Horford, and then Aaron Baines gets. The rest, and maybe depending, you throw some Tyson there if you can steal some minutes if you end up having a lead or whatever. But my point here is, and just like last year's playoffs, the depth with Al Horford, it, it just doesn't exist. The Celtics' depth is great, and they can they can withstand like they can withstand games without Kyrie. Not that Ky- they're better without Kyrie; it's that they've got wing depth. They have. They have to adjust how they play, but you have Rozier who, if he plays well, can can give you good minutes at the point. You can throw Marcus Smart can run the point very capably. Gordon Hayward can initiate the offense very well. There's nobody still on the Boston Celtics that does what Al Horford does. That's good at as many things that Al Horford is good at. And we're, we haven't even touched his defensive ability, which he is a phenomenal defender, and he's He's the one guy. Like Al Horford was able to kind of handle. I mean, Willie Cauley Stein had a, a good game and he had a good first half. But I mean, when Al Horford wasn't in there, it was just fielded. What was really interesting to me, I guess it's not that interesting because we, we've seen it before. But when they did go to that monster lineup with either Smart or Hayward at point guard and Ojale, Jalen, Tatum, mm-hmm. whoever, and then Horford at center. They were switching Horford onto De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, so like Fox is the fastest man alive. <laughs> he is fast. <laughs> he is super fast. He, he's one of those guys who it's 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 neat to watch him in person because you get just a different appreciation for his speed because you're seeing seeing him just zoom by 
incredibly fast people. Yes. <laughs> and, but, while dribbling but Horford, a basketball. While yeah. dribbling a basketball. Like, but that's Horford, insane. Horford being able to, to switch on on guys like that even is is really important because he, earlier in the season when he wasn't right, th- th- he would have gotten roasted. And now now he's just playing great defense. He's he's come all the way around. He's he's a problem. Those those lineups to me are are pretty intriguing, and I don't think we'll see too much of them come playoff time. But you never know. You never know. You know, and, and if Terry Rozier struggles, all of a sudden, uh, a playing Gordon Hayward or Marcus Smart as your backup point guard during however many minutes Kyrie sits. I think becomes uh, a bigger op- bigger option, and and those could be lineups that those I, are lineups like I don't mind that option score, at all. Tough, tough to score against a a team that can switch everything, and not only can switch everything, but everybody on the court is either six seven two thirty or more, or Marcus Smart, who might as well be like seven three. <laughs> right, <laughs> he is wild. It's so wild. Even having seen him do everything that he does, just watching him like just snatch the ball away, get just has a nose for the ball, get get those deflections and steals. Man, he's just so wild. But I'm not mad at the no Terry Rozier minutes, or you know, we'll see what he does in the playoffs. But Marcus Smart or Gordon Hayward initiating the offense, I am totally fine with that in the playoffs. Like that, I loved. They ran they ran a set where. Hayward initiated the offense and, and Horford got the ball on the right the right elbow and Tatum cut and got got a, a layup out of it. I mean it was just just beautiful and, and they have such good good passers. Like Rose Rozier's weakness is he doesn't either doesn't pass or when he does pass it's not accurate. So Smart's a great passer, Hayward's a great passer, Horford's a great passer. You run offense through those three guys, man. And even even if Kyrie's in the game, you can have Kyrie off ball and and those guys can handle it, handle it very capably. All right. What, what, one more, one more interesting part of that game. I thought that was one of the first times this year. Gordon Hayward's had a good game without like hitting all sorts of outside jumpers. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good. Point. Or may, maybe not the first time, but like most no. of his big performances come when he hits the three. Right. Right. And right. that, that game, it was, everything was, was inside he was creating a ton of separation on that fadeaway which he's become really good at yeah yeah (laughs) whenever he does that and like gets a big and does that little like stop spin and fade it seems like he and jalen brown are like (laughs) very good at fadeaways for whatever reason yeah he's he's developed that i mean that, that could just be a function of working on a shot when he didn't have any lift to figure out a way to get that separation. Like I can't jump over people right now. I've got to still find a way to get my shot off. And that that's what's developed out of that. So now that he's getting some of his athleticism back, he's that that's just a, it's a nice other option to have in his game. So uh, we can get into Gordon Hayward another time. We'll see what Gordon Hayward does in, in Los Angeles over those two games. It's such a night and day. Like the, after the all-star break, during the Celtic struggles, Hayward has been just kind of, you know, invisible for the most part. And then all of a sudden, boom, he has this monster game against Golden State. Boom, he has a really good game against Sacramento and hits the game winner. And now it's everything's just kind of coming back. So we'll see what happens against the two L.A. teams. 
if the Celtics can sweep this road trip, man, that'd be a good sign that the Celtics are back and moving forward into some positive things. But, of course, they still have to go out and do it. And we'll be here for you on Monday to review, recap, talk about the big weekend in Los Angeles. Stick with us. If you're not a subscriber, please do subscribe so you can get this directly to your uh, whatever pod player you get. We're on Spotify. We're everywhere. So subscribe. Regular listeners, give us that five-star rating, good written review, and share the podcast. Please tell everybody to listen to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.